FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 475 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. I'm your host, Jason, and I'm joined once again by the Excaliburos Plus One, Georgie, Dan, and Ian. Hey, guys. Hello. Howdy. Hello. And uh, we're going to talk about, well, mostly the end of Inferno, but some other ends as well. Um, at least some breaks. I guess some of these are ending, some of these are just taking a break. Mm-hmm. The relationship status is uh, undefined, unclear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, so I want to apologize for a couple of things. Uh, one, I think I'm over COVID, but my cough has not quite gone away. So I will try to mute as much as I can, and I'll try to edit out what doesn't get muted, assuming it's not on top of someone else's dialogue. And then also, there's a... Yes, buddy. All your all your monster trucks are in your room. So also, um, I think I've talked about this a little bit on the show, but I'm in the midst of a pretty massive uh, remodel slash reconstruction. So we're not in our own house right now. And uh, the house we are staying in, there's not really anywhere for me to hide. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm just kind of out in the middle of the, the front room. Um, so I apologize for any extra background noise that we don't. I know we always have a little bit. They, you know, I can't ever keep the boys from completely interrupting, but uh, they'll probably be a little bit extra today. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I do apologize not only to my lovely co-host but to the listeners as well. But um, hey, four seventy-five. So, mm. cool. Uh, in the nineties, that would have been a double-sized issue. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> there was a five at the end every five right. issues. <laughs> <laughs> If it ends with a five or a zero, we're going to put a uh, hollow foil on it. We're going to have 20 variants and uh, we have a backup story by Jim Lee and, you know, Jack right. Kirby. Who's the-, <laughs> the, the ghost of Jack. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, a couple of things I want to also mention. Uh, you know, we talked about kind of some of the new books that are coming out. We have had a couple more confirmations. Uh X-Men Red, as suspected, would be about Mars. And Al Ewing is staying with the X-Line, so that's pretty cool. Yep. Don't have any, any thoughts about that? At least it's not I'm happy that you know, writer. I yes, yeah, yeah, we were worried that the other writers were going uh, <laughs> to... Uh, um, who apparently don't have an X-Book, right? Williams does not have an X-Book, it looks it like. looks that way, unless she's... So is Secret X-Men a book, or just... It's a one shot, I think. A one shot, okay, gotcha. I'm, you know, Sword started off so amazing, um, and with like big ideas, and then events popped in, and other things happened, and at the end of the Hickman era, so it really sort of took a dive, unfortunately. So, I'm glad that Ewing's sticking on, and, and maybe he can be able to tell like a story he wants to tell instead of having to deal with a whole bunch of other stuff. So I'm, I'm very optimistic. Plus, it's Storm leading. Mars, so we, we yeah. all want to see more of that, right? Right, exactly. And then uh, also Knights of Ten, Knights of X, uh, will be the Excalibur continuation by Howard and Bob Quinn. So I think we, the Bob, 
uh, Quinn was a guy on Way of X. I think we all kind of came around on his art to various levels. So we'll see what that book does. I kind of hope it's a Gambit rescue mission, but we'll we'll see. <laughs> it does like look he, like Jubilee is no longer on the lineup. Yeah, but Shogo is. And I don't mind. Like, yeah, it makes sense to have the dragon, but I don't know if I like the idea of – unless there's a story element where it's not like a choice – I don't know if I like the idea of Jubilee saying, like, yeah, sure, take my kid. I don't need yeah, to Yeah, I don't buy it. <laughs> so, But maybe something happens where she, like, is not – I mean, there's a story element that there's no choice in the matter. And I guess we'll see how it goes. But I'm kind of hoping it's, it's Gambit being a, a team and leaving, leading a team into other world to try to rescue Betsy. Uh, that might be, fun. be interesting. Yeah. yeah. So As long as it's coherent. Sure. <laughs> I, I know y'all and y'all do not continue. I feel like Excalibur ended with more focus than it began. So I'll just leave it at that. Glowing review. It wasn't <laughs> as bad as you guys remember it being. <laughs> I have to say, when you said House of Ten, I thought you said House of Ten, and it was going to be a book about um, Colossus winning a house. I do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a nine of ten. Yeah. Just Colossus, he already has his armor. He doesn't need a suit of armor. He just gets a big ass sword and walks around chopping people. That, that, that's a book on its own. <laughs> yeah, that, that should have been X of Swords then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly. <laughs> well, speaking of, <laughs> of misremembering, um, I don't want to, I don't want to tangent into this. I want to get into the books we're going to talk about today, but I do need to recant. <laughs> my last episode a little bit um Uh-oh. i wouldn't say i was generous but i was a little more ambivalent to the end of trial of magneto and I, i'm gonna blame that on uh covid fog um, totally the more i think about it the more i kind of hate it <laughs> uh-huh. the characterization and and really um if, there, if it was going to be a story, and I'll, I'll end right here and let you guys have thoughts that you want to tangent into, but it was going to be an intentional story about classism and having Magneto and Xavier looking down on like mutants with more physical aberrations, and that's why Tone was the patsy, and it was a very intentional thing. That could be a story that why I don't really like Magneto, particularly in that camp. At least it's an interesting idea to explore. But the fact that it just happens on the page with no explanation just makes it seem like, again, that maybe the writer's just not aware of kind of the cues they are given, um, much like with the whole Prodigy thing, that, you know, there could have been a story that could have made that better than it was, but it just felt like there wasn't a good grasp on it. And so that's kind of where I ended up on that as well. But... Anyway, um, unless y'all have particular thoughts, we can go ahead and jump into sword. But I don't want to. I, I want to ask you to apologize for making me remember tr- uh, the trial of Magneto. Uh, <laughs> I had forgotten all about it. So. That's probably best. Yeah. And I, I did intentionally spare you guys from having to talk about it. So took took one for the team there. And uh, so yes, I did. could have not. I could have not read the end in preparation for this podcast. Is that what you're trying to tell me? And so I could have not. You could have skipped it. Yeah. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> You'll be forever grateful that I dodged. Yeah, I should have just done an Ian and been like, no. Nope. I, <laughs> I would say, <laughs> unless they have developing plots around kind of the one important piece, which is that you can resurrect 
anybody now, not just three-row backups or whatever, you really don't even need to have read it for the current storytelling. <laughs> right. But, I don't even remember much of it at all, so that's a good thing. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's, um, let's jump into Sword. I'm really interested to hear, because Georgie kind of already gave us a little bit of a tease of what he might think about this. This will be the end of Sword, Sword number 11. And I think... Um, me. Yeah, Dan. Yeah, sorry. Um, no, it is uh, apparently it's the final frontier um, before it's renamed as uh, X Men Red. Um, Al Ewing is in the um, what would you say the captain's chair uh, with Jacopo Camagni as the artist, Fernando Suentes of Protoboca Studios, which I hope is his entire title. Like as he introduced himself uh, to everyone, um, is the, the color artist. Uh, VCs Ariana Mayer is letterer and production, which um, I assume I I really wish it was a bit more like is it inking? Is that production now? <laughs> These days, is that what we do? Uh, but, um, mm-hmm. Tom Mueller as design. Um, Abigail Johnson gets a a special thanks. And um, is that who Abigail art- Brand was based on? I think maybe. <laughs> um, I ha- we ha- I don't know if anyone's got the um, Paul Renaud uh, cover, but we have the uh, Stefani Caselli and Federico Bli cover, which is just a shot of fighting. Yeah, it's um, a brawl. It's a brawl. Yeah. It's it's okay. Anyone else's thoughts on the cover? I have no thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> General, or like and tabular reason. <laughs> It's it's yeah a lot of fighting that ha- does not happen in the book. Uh, just sell the book, right? <laughs> so I mean, um, I, I think it's quality yeah, artwork, but yeah, it's just it's yes. just a problem. Yeah, it's yeah. all right. It's nice. It's fine. It's 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 okay. Cable space is the best part. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I, someone. <laughs> that was an extra creepy laugh. <laughs> Someone I saw on Twitter, I'm sorry to go on a tangent, and I know we're, we're like yeah. time sensitive, but I saw what's his name or Liefeld is doing another Kickstarter oh. or doing another oh. book. Uh, and there was a, a, an image of the cover, and they all have that same cable face <laughs> with the weird mouth. <laughs> uh, and I just busted out laughing when Dan that face where he looked like he's been like shoved, a dildo's been shoved too far up his ass. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah. Um, sorry, 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 kid. Is there too far, Dan? Let me ask. <laughs> I'm going to say something along those lines. If that looks like his um, orgasm face, <laughs> that one on the, on the cover. On the cover, yeah, you can, yeah, yeah, him bearing down on. No, anyway. Um, All right. right. Wow. Well, this is like you have to mark well, this as Grant... explicit when you post it, Jason. Yeah. yeah. At least, at least Grant will be excited for all the cable content. Anyway. Um... Yeah, that's what he wants to hear. <laughs> well, there must be something interesting about. No, nope, I'm not going to go there. Right, so to boil it down into like three segments, because we're time sensitive, we have the um, Cable and Eden uh, segment of stopping Sword Station 1 from falling into Australia, uh, which they do with slight, like, I think Eden passes out, but other than that, it's fine. And um, there's a nice little moment where the techno-organic virus is taking over Nathan, and he says we a few times. Um, yeah, it says self, and, like Warlock. Yeah, self. Yeah, self. And he, his his arm goes like blue rather than warlock yellow. Um, that was nice. Uh, the other part is uh, Storm absolutely dominating these people who <laughs> took out the <laughs> took out the Imperial Guard, and Storm's like air pressure. The end. Um, <laughs> and, and yes, yeah. That, 
that that was a nice moment and it kind of like just um reiterates how uh pointless these uh for disposable villains were uh, and then the main segment is um on alpha uh, flight station um where Garrick, uh is double crossed by uh Wizkid, who he's like oh no and then there's this whole reveal that Wizkid's um wheelchair has access has got like hacking stuff inside it and access to everything and downloaded all of his data um and he Garrick runs away because it's going to be sent to the Shi'ar and then uh the main the main sort of point of this entire thing is that we find out that Brand not only uh is ready ready and willing to kill any human because she doesn't follow the rules uh she sort of talks about how pointless this whole mutant human business is which kind of echoes Inferno in a sense um and that she's thinking of the bigger picture and she's totally uh gonna be the mole inside Orcus because it's better or inside Krakoa because she thinks Krakoa should fall anyway um and she kills him and that's it Yep, sends him out the airlock. Yeah, and she has has better things to do, essentially. Um, Which is, you know, kind of very Abigail brand. Um, Some would say on brand for her. (laughs) 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 So, yes, that's the book. Um, Who wants to go first? Ian, what did you think? Oh, wait, Ian, did you read everything? You read everything. You you read it all like in an hour. (laughs) That's the way to do it. Alright, so I was intrigued with um I already forgot his name. Eden. Eden, yes. Like his power, he passed it on the floor. It's like oh, yeah, because uh, you haven't read this. You only picked this up recently, didn't you? Yes, I was like, who is this guy? What is his power? <laughs> He's so important. <laughs> uh obviously, like you said, cable cable's arm going crazy was always fun. Um I just felt a bit bored with um Ginger. Ginger. <laughs> Guy, okay. Yes. <laughs> yes, uh, I was just like, uh, here's a thing. So basically, I had fun with it when um, it wasn't about humans. Okay. <laughs> what was your favourite? You, you pointed you point some out. Yeah. yeah, you said something was your favourite. I can't find where it is. Right at the end. Oh, there. yeah. The part where um, there's like nine panels. And she's just talking to Ginger through the window. I really yes. liked how that looked. And she said, I am and always your friend. No, that's not what she said. Then <laughs> 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 she said, psych, and ran her fingers through her green hair and injected it out the airlock. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot she had mutant powers. Yeah, you can't forget. I did too. I they don't really ever do much with her right hand thing. And I don't remember that being where her name came from, but it makes sense, I guess. Is that a new thing? Like is that Ewing adding that? Or has that been no, talked about? No, she's always had like electric hands or like Oh right, right, right. Hands. But with that being yeah. her code name. Um, maybe? <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember. I just feel like she's always been Abigail Brandon, that's it. Like right. having a right. code name. Yeah. Well, Georgie, I feel like you, you said this book kind of trailed off for you, so does that include this issue as well? Well, this feels like a reset point, right? He's like, all right, I'm going to have another chance to do stuff. We've got cool things happening on Mars. Brant is... is uh, I get to put some of her plans into motion, uh, sort of tie up a few things, uh, have this interesting cables, techno-organic viruses becoming sort of a, 
uh, flanks-esque uh, happening here. So he's setting up a lot. Uh, I mean, it does a good job of, like, tying up what was going on, even if it's a little fast. Um, I'm just kind of excited to, you know, all right, we're, we're done with this. We're moving on to the next one. Al Ewing's sticking on, and he can he can work wonders with the, these different pieces happening. So that's kind of why I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, the artwork is, you know, sort of that clean, cartoony, smooth style. And it works sometimes, and it, it doesn't work other times. Uh, and here, I, I think Cable doesn't really look great in his art style, uh, especially his face. Um but uh, I, I enjoyed the issue. I wouldn't say it was like, you know, standout amazing, but it was sort of obvious things happening and in, in sort of a good reset point. Yeah. I think my favorite scene was the first couple of pages between Eden and his uncle. Uh, mm-hmm. Just kind of the, the banter, that's our the banter and the jokes. Uh, his uncle confusing Cable, Winter Soldier, and oh, right. uh, that, was, that was all pretty fun. Um and then, of course, the storm scene was also a highlight. I oh, totally yeah. forgot yeah. that um, Gladiator's power comes from his, his self-belief. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think I ever even knew that. So. <laughs> <laughs> like OG Captain Britain, right? Yeah. When, um, in Next Hell, when he becomes all like, it's confidence that powers me now. Like right. 20 issues or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> until, that, until that gets like a boring mechanic. And um, they move on. <laughs> all right. But yeah, no, I agree, Georgie. I, th- I think I'm I'm excited about X Men Red um, and seeing where he goes next with some of these pieces he's putting in motion. So, but what about this issue? What do we want to grade? Sword Eleven. I think it's by middle of the road. Like it's number three. It reminds me of that the 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 issue of X of Swords that sets up the sword thing. Like okay. it just feels like it. it sort of completes its story but it's more about the payoff at the end i do love the color work though i must admit yeah, I am yeah. yeah. Of the color work. nice especially that that final panel is one of my favorites especially when you see guy floating in the background out the window all right um, <laughs> nice. and I, I i really like the color of storm's hair in this one i know it's always white but this one's quite nice i do so it gives it an extra extra uh star but no no it's, it's definitely a free star but free star free free claw book there you go. You got that in there. Um, honestly, uh, I have to agree. It's sort of middle of the road. Had parts I enjoyed, so I will say four. Okay. I'm going to be with Ian. I think there was enough kind of plot there, and I do really like the colors, and I enjoyed some of the character interaction, so I'm going to go four out of six claws as well. Right. I mean, as I said, it wasn't like spectacular. Um, it wasn't a bad book. It, I mean, middle of the road works for me. It's a little above middle, so I will also give this a four. But it's not like, oh, what what a good issue. It was like, all right, that was, you know, above competent, and uh, <laughs> good good setting up for what's to what's to come. Awesome. All right. Well, let's move in to uh, the last X Men before the. 10 Lives and Deaths of Wolverine, which will be X-Men number 6. And Ian, I think you got this one. Yes, I have whatever happened to Cyclops. I mean, Captain Krakoa. Spoiler! <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I took one... Anyway, I'll come... I took one look and you it was Cyclops. Come right. on. The coffee. <laughs> yes, this is... Um, writer 
and time for me to butcher some names again here. Uh, Jerry Duggan, um, artist Pepe Larez, colour artist Marty Gracia, letterer VCs Clayton Cowles, uh, designed by Tom Muller, cover artist Pepe Larez and Marty Gracia. I forget, do I need to read the rest? Well, no, he's, not the head of X. he's not the head of X anymore. So. No, yeah. You, like, you're... Oh, no, that's fine. They're just fan covers, isn't it? That's just fan covers. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Right, and to begin, we have a photo of many photos. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yes, everyone uh, with their cell phones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do y'all, what do y'all think of the cover overall? I think it's like a quite a nice postmodern sort of superhero, like reveal, like an Avengers lineup reveal, but like mm-hmm. in a post of fern thing. It's cute. I hate his fish. He looks like one of those oxyotl creatures. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, yeah. It does matter nothing. All I will say is I saw that and thought that's Cyclops, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> I'm kind of glad but, it didn't end up being. There were rumors it was going to be um, uh, the old Ryan. Captain Britain. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what? How? Why? Anyway, um. <laughs> those are the rumors. <clears throat> so we begin with a good old hero saving a cat and people because that's what heroes do. Um, and then it quickly cuts to Cyclops being whiny at the council, uh, being like, I have to stay for this butt, and then storming off when it doesn't go how he likes. Um, then once again, it cuts and it's Sunspot, and oh, look. Sunfire. Sunfire, I apologise. How dare you get two people with colour mixed up. <laughs> I didn't pay that much attention to who they were because they didn't really play a part. <laughs> oh, poor Sunfire. <laughs> and he's going to get replaced by another fire person. Anyway, carry oh, on. Come on, he, get, he gets there. Anyway, and so Sunfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's uh, some guy landing to take over Phobos, is it? Yeah. The moon of Mars. Uh he turns up, he's like, no, don't do this. Uh, human is like, no, I'm doing this, you're not stopping me. Uh, the next thing you know, Gargoyle decides to jump on the moon and challenge the human. In which case he gets mouth blasted into oblivion. Pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> then after the challenge is over, they take over the moon, make it into a station. Uh, and then it cuts to... Cyclops is deaf, and there he is in the background, floating in as Captain Krakoa. And then, shock horror, it's Cyclops. Uh, in which case, he's then calling the uh, reporter and be like, I've got information for you about things. And that's where it ends. Yeah. Yep. So, are we all in agreement that this issue looks lovely? Like, yes. Oh, it's gorgeous. It is gorgeous. It's really, it's really pretty, and again, the color work is astonishing. I love the so color that, green. Yeah, okay. and that that panel, this not quite a splash page, almost where we see Captain Krakoa for the first time in full, and all the different like sunlight angles coming through the buildings behind him is amazing. 
And, um, you know, we just watched Eternals last night because it's finally on Disney Plus. And uh, every time they showed Icarus for like the first half of the movie, the sun was always right behind his head. Oh, yeah. And um, it kind of reminded me of that. It's just a beautiful scene of Captain Krakoa slash Cyclops. And the color work on that is just, I mean, Grossi is one of the best in the business, hands down. And it's, mm. it shows here. Oh, yeah. It's a gorgeous book. Um <clears throat> I uh, I read this uh, when it was accidentally leaked on Marvel Unlimited. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> earlier, and uh, also ep- issue seven leaked, and I'm not so certain that uh, they are not out of order because it makes a lot more sense if you read seven and then read six. Um, oh. <laughs> okay. and, uh, but yeah, uh, super gorgeous. Uh, anytime we get uh, Graciana book uh, with Laraz, it's just uh, yeah. Spectacular, right? Um, I I don't know what the point of having Captain Krakoa really is. Uh, I feel like this book just continues to tread water with fight scenes and then nothing really happening. Uh, it seems like a lot of wasted potential with characters that we wanted to see and then they do nothing with. Um, so, you know, as far as the direction of the book, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed. Uh, but uh, it looks uh, spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I feel like is this like a test? Cyclops like testing the council to see if they'll step in on like the X Men, which was supposed to be like an independent body. Because like this whole council sequence seems to be Cyclops being like, "I have a say. It's my X Men. It's not your thing. It's supposed to be for the people." Right. I don't know. It just it just felt like, and it, I don't know. To me, there's an unnecessary in all of these books. There's an unnecessary amount of the X Men are not going to enjoy Krakoa feeling going forward. So. Oh. My pad just decided to have an alarm. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really. I, sh- I was kind of just like, oh, so this human is now well, non-human, post-human, whatever you want to call him, now owns a moon and it's Orcus. Are we just, are we, is is everything going to come crashing down in like a couple of months? Because the story just feels, I don't know, just feels like the uh, winding up a stone to just annihilate everything yeah. the X Men built, and it's only been like two years and we haven't they've not had a chance to like enjoy themselves apart from that they haven't really done anything party. with it yet yeah yeah but um i love the, the thing is i just love the way it looks i love how that gargoyle looks like he's straight out of a D mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and just i'm just so smitten with the artwork that it kind of allows me to sort of forget a lot of the story which is sort of like weirdly balanced between superheroics talking to Ben Ulrich and other stuff. Um, so I don't know. Anyway. Mm-hmm. I I guess I'm in the minority. I actually love this issue. Um, I really, besides it being just gorgeous, I really enjoyed setting up Cyclops in a pretty intense conflict with the council. Um they keep saying they keep saying his plan won't work and we're going to do Captain Krakoa instead. They don't tell us what Cyclops's plan was. Um, obviously, the idea of Captain Krakoa is to remove any doubt in the public that Cyclops is still dead. Right? They set up the memorial. They replace him on the team. Um, you know, it's kind of a, a shadow play. And then at the end, when you find out that. It's obvious, very obvious, that Ben Urich has been mind-wiped, most likely by Xavier, um, and how disappointed Cyclops is with that. Um, 
I don't. I thought it was really good. Just kind of classic X Men melodrama and subterfuge. Um, I like him kind of striking out on his own, rebelling a little bit, not being happy with the situation. Um, I like the idea of the humans or Phalong setting up a base on on Phobos. I, I really enjoyed Sunfire getting a spotlight here. I thought the characterization was really nice. Thought he had some good action. Um, so yeah, no, I I I like this one quite a bit. Thought it set up some good good things to play off of. I'll be interested to see what you say, Georgie. I'm really curious now to read seven, which they already teased as the origin of Captain Krakoa, and see what it informs on this issue. But um, yeah, I, I, I had um, a lot of fun. What did you think, Ian? I'll be honest, um, even though this is the one I was reading out, I forgot completely about the story and only remember the art. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. But the art is astonishing. Like, I can't help but love every scene where there's a flame in any way because the fire <laughs> is done so beautifully. And that about sums up my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are we in agreement that Pepe the Raz and uh, Garcia are like the only two that can do Krakoa's face and tree like structure? Oh. The only like most beautiful way everyone else sort of fails slightly. Yeah. Like to capture the same sort of organic essence of it all and this beautiful, happy, smiley, slightly sinister face going on. Um, I just love it. I think it looks great. I think you're right, to be fair. Yeah, they're they're a dream team for sure. For sure. They really are. Okay, well, I'll go and get out of the way. Um, I gave this book six out of six squaws. I loved it. Wow. So, where'd you guys get land? I will firmly land at four, just because of the art. I'm sitting on four for the same reason. <laughs> I'm also going to give it a four, even though, like, I'm... Uh, I'm more excited about this work, uh, book uh, than Sword because the artwork was so superb. But I do feel like the overall nothingness of the X-Men story so far is just weighing so heavily on this. It's hard for me to, to give it more than than a four, even though we all agree it's just masterfully gorgeous. Yep. Very good. All right. Well, let's get to the uh, the climax of the episode. Um Inforno, Inforno, um, Informer. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Are we, are we skipping, are we skipping Marauders? Have I just oh, no, I thought, I thought we were doing it last. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. In order. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, and plus I feel like there's some things that hint at Inferno having already happened, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You guys read too much into that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so in Inferno, number four, Ashes, Ashes, We All Fall Down. No, and it's not really called that. Um, I wish it was. <laughs> I know, mm-hmm. right? I think it's just called Inferno number four. No clever titles on this one. Okay. All right. Um, oh, or is the part in the middle, maybe it's the death of Moira 10. I don't know. Anyway, uh, the credits are, of course, Jonathan Hickman as the writer. Valerio Schiti and uh, Stefano Caselli doing the art chores. David Curiel, another great colorist, doing the colors. Uh, VCs Joe Sabino doing the letters. Tom Mueller with the design. And Jerome Opinia and uh, Frank Martin do the cover. Um, 
And it's a cover with Mystique and De- or Mystique turning into Destiny in front of a tombstone. Um, obviously, her mourning Destiny's death in the past. Um, but that's a pretty pretty striking cover. What do you guys think? Um, I quite like it. I think it's quite a nice haunting image. Yeah, I love it. I love how as she's uh, transforming, like parts of her are like wrapping around wildly. Uh, it, it's it's a very sort of unique, uh, almost like or- organic. Like as as she's transforming, she's organically like her body is acting on its own in almost like a symbiote. You know, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it does. I, look- I, I think that's that's super gorgeous and a very uh, cool way to to showcase that and uh, it's it's mournful and solemn. I think it's a pretty good cover. I agree. It's one of those covers which I'm going to remember for a while, which I cannot say often. Yeah. Okay. okay. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, this one is is pretty dense. I will do my best <laughs> to carry us through this one and and. It, when I say cohesively, it's not. I mean, it's, it's pretty tight. So it's not like uh, incohesive like like the other event that just ended. But it's just there's a lot. There's a lot jammed into this book. Um, mm-hmm. So we start off with remember that uh, Magneto and Xavier had tracked uh, Moira's arm uh, to an Orcus base, and then they were. Um, Ambushed by Omega Sentinel and Nimrod and a bunch of Orcus troops. And, of course, the humans are yelling. But then we get a weird twist where Omega Sentinel and Nimrod kill all of the humans and say, we hate you all. And, (laughs) you know, the idea was that we're supposed to – the idea of like Sentinel is supposed to protecting humankind um, is apparently, you know, definitely they've evolved past that. Or maybe it's the old uh, Bronze Age trope where the Sentinels see humans as leading to mutants and that's a threat of themselves. I don't know. Um, but either way, they, they turn on the humans, they zap them all, murder them all, and then turn their attention, of course, to Xavier and Magneto. Um, Magneto pulls down what looks like maybe a piece of a satellite or something through the roof and crushes uh, Nimrod as a mega Sentinel scoots out of the way. And, of course, Nimrod blasts his way back out. Um, Xavier gets his helmet blown off. Uh, Nimrod steps on it and breaks it, which puts him in an interesting position. So, basically, I guess without the helmet, not only is he going to have trouble tracking down Moira again, with her not being here, obviously, but also anything they find out from the rest of this time, they have to stay alive because it won't be backed up. So... It's very crucial to them that they survive this encounter so they can figure out what to do next. Um, and Xavier pulls out his uh, latent telekinesis and zaps Nimrod to... So that that really surprised me because obviously he doesn't have that those powers, right? So was he like utilizing Magneto's power to like pull the sentinel pieces apart? Like what was happening there? It, he does have, supposedly has telekinesis. Yeah. Um, they don't use it how he gets up and, he gets, since when he gets up I, I, and down that has um, not stairs. been in my knowledge for forever since when has he had that um, uh, I saw him, <laughs> yeah I, I saw him use it in the ultimate universe to get up and down stairs but that's it so he's <laughs> able to like mind blast or like blast with the force of his mind um, 
so maybe it's not strict telekinesis in in that way because i will say i mean obviously in the 90s it was not really talked about or present or brushed under the rug much like magneto's minor telepathy is always mostly ignored um because at the wedding of gene and scott when gene wants to have a like a last dance like with her father figure she uses her tk right to to float him around and dance him like a puppet um (laughs) which makes that sound much less sweet than it really was um (laughs) but um yeah so i it's it's a power that technically has been once or twice mentioned in his power set, and Hickman is either taking a deep cut or maybe with a look from his eyes, George, maybe you're right that he's somehow siphoning Magneto power. I don't know. They don't really explain it. It just happens. Okay. Um, also, remember, Xavier's not – he's kind of a dick, so he'll just hide anything from anyone. So he'll just <laughs> use, it. He'll use it. He'll use it when he needs it. All right. <laughs> yeah. So we go back to Krakoa. It doesn't say it's in the like the hidden place, but I kind of get the feeling that it might be. But Destiny and Mystique have brought a uh, recently amputated Moira back here. And Moira's like, you can't kill me. You know what's going on. You've been filled in. You know the whole story from Hawks Fox now. Um, and, you know, if you kill me, I'll wipe out this reality and reincarnate and do something else. And Mystique's like, want to bet? And looks like she shoots her. And then everything fades to white in a beautiful double-page spread um, of a silhouette of Moira, like an orangey uh, background, and then it fades to white. And I love what the edit, like the caption boxes. And then, and then the death of Moira 10, and, and then it goes to then. And one thing Hickman's been doing throughout his larger narrative is showing you scenes that you've already seen and then giving you more. And he does that again here where we see the scene where Mystique and uh, Destiny get the reveal from Emma about everything that's been going on in Kukoa. And we ended last time where she says, I have gifts, and that's all we knew. Now we find out what those gifts are. He gives, she gives them away not only to track Moira, but another deep cut for Hickman we bring out the gun that Forge built to take away Rogue's powers, like back in the late 80s. Um, and so that is still around. And so Emma gives it to Moira, and we find out that's the gun. Or sorry, gives it to Mystique. <laughs> sorry, I get my M's mixed up. Um, and that's the gun she shoots Moira with. And we'll kind of get to that back in a second. We have a page where we see all of Mystique's like machinations of this whole story. So basically almost every scene of Inferno, um, she has been involved. Uh, we also find out that she used some kind of like gas grenade to turn the Orcus-based people against each other, which I was kind of disappointed. I really liked Georgie's theory that they pulled Sabretooth out of the pit and he killed everyone. But, um, uh, it's revealed that instead it is a, it's a mm-hmm. gas bomb, and they go nuts and kill each other. And then Mo- uh, Mystique cuts off Moira's arm, and then we find out that uh, and what they've done is they've taken away Moira's powers, so that she's no longer a mutant. So if they kill her now, at least in their mind, the universe will not reset because she won't reincarnate because she doesn't have her powers. So they kind of, in their mind, have locked in this timeline as the final timeline, at least until someone else comes along and does something, um, so that they can be together. 
and there's there's quite a bit. I won't go into detail. There's there's two pretty strong pages of dialogue of Moira kind of going through the different stages of dealing with this um, from like you know kind of um, uh, rebellious like whatever kind of being casual to being scared to being angry to kind of resolving to her destiny at the end um, but yeah it's a pretty couple of strong pages and then um we find out that Moira, and this is the part that I might need some help from you guys with. So, apparently, even in this timeline, Moira still has this idea of of curing mutants. Whether that includes herself, it's not real clear. Um, but it's kind of being a traitor to, to mutant dumb, and that's another thing that Mystique and Destiny are mad about, um, besides you know keeping them apart. Then we go back to the uh, Orcus base, and Omega Sentinel pulls out a power dampener. Um, and there's some more fighting. Nimrod grabs Professor X, but Magneto gets Omega Sentinel, and they're kind of in a standoff. And they kind of agree that they'll let those two go, and then Magneto and Nimrod can finish it off man to robot. So they agree. Uh, Professor X says, we, one of us has to get out of here alive so we know what happened. And so Magneto's like, all right, cool. Let him go. I'll let Omega Sentinel go. They count to three. Uh, Magneto drops Omega Sentinel. Nimrod cracks Xavier's neck. <laughs> uh, sending Magneto into a massive fury. Uh, and I'm sorry, I got out of order. That's when Omega Sentinel pulls out the power dampener. Magneto looks like he's going to get around it. He breaks... Omega Sentinel into 100 pieces, but her arm, her hand still has the uh, the power dampener. She's eventually able to push it, and Magne- or Nimrod kills Magneto as well. Or Omega Sentinel does. They they blast a fool. Um. So then, back to Krakoa, and right before Mystique carves up Moira some more, Doug comes in, and remember he and integrated a warlock into Krakoa, so basically there are no nothing on Krakoa that he cannot see or hear. Um, and he kind of comes in, and he says, you got three options, and Destiny's like, I don't know what he's going to choose to do. This is a blind spot in the future. I can't predict it. And he kind of runs through the options. Um, you know, you made her human. You can't murder Moira, because I'll, I'll basically says I'm a coffin. I'll turn you in um, and get y'all thrown into the pit. And this whole idea of y'all being together will, will be busted up anyway. And so he's for some reason trying to protect Moira or have her not killed. Um, I kind of like the I mean obviously there's the idea that he's just nice and compassionate. I kind of like the idea that we're building here that Doug is much more brilliant and sophisticated than we've been led to believe and that he's got his own plans on plans. Uh kinda hope that's where they go with this. But um anyway, uh they go through the branches or the the options as Bay and um Warlock also step out of the shadows. Um you know they can still kill Moira but you know Destiny says if we do that, you know will be removed from the council and exiled, and I will die and not get resurrected. Um, we can try to kill Doug, but we won't succeed. Bay will kill us. Um, 
And, you know, you might be resurrected, but, you know, it'll be a long way down the road. Um, and the other one is the, they let Doug win and Moira escape. We remain on the council to try to shape things in Krakoa. Doug also consolidates power. And Mystique's really just incensed. Um, she definitely overlooked any kind of threat from from Doug, even as he first entered the room, she's like, I'm just going to kill you real fast. Like, there's nothing to this. I think she even says she could do it in her sleep or whatever, or before she wakes up. Um, and yeah, so Moira leaves, but they promise that they will hunt her down and other mutants will as well. So she literally runs. Um, and then uh, we skip a week. And Magneto and Xavier are finally resurrected. And Emma says there's been some changes. By the way, all these pages are beautiful. Um, and she basically talks about how she has told the whole council all the secrets and says that they will wear they will bear the burden together. They won't tell the general population, they'll still try to save Krakoa, but now everyone on the council knows and kind of cast everyone in these different um roles and the founders the faithful the trustworthy um innocents uh heroes villains killers liars believers and then basically just ends up with this kind of very almost depressing scene and them all sitting at the council almost like this foreboding like can we sustain this and that's kind of where it ends and that was a whole lot and i probably went into more detail than I needed to, but what did you guys think? I mean, we're, I just, I feel like I got just kind of overwhelmed and lost in the story in a good way, but it was just, it was so much to digest. It, it, yeah. you know, I have issues with mystique and, and, um, destiny, uh, like motivation, um, why they're all more. I talked about this before. It doesn't really, that's the one thing that, that really hasn't made a lot of sense to me that Hickman has painted. Uh, outside of that, this makes me very sad because it's like, oh, things we could have had if people behaved. You know, <laughs> it's like when, when, when kids aren't doing the thing and parents are like, well, we could have had this, but you misbehaved, so now we're going home. Like, we could have right. had Hickman, but everyone in the X office misbehaved, and now <laughs> this is where we end. And now, it, you know, we could get a bunch of crap instead of uh, the thing we were promised. So, it, it makes me very sad after reading this of, of what could have been. Yes. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, like it was already been said, there was a lot to go through with it, but um, I just enjoyed it. And I have to say the MVP for me is Doug. Yeah. Doug, yeah. Doug is MVP the moment he walked out like the sexiest twink on Twin <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's be honest, that, but the introduction panel to him is stunning. Yeah, it's even really compared well, to the rest of the art, it's, it's like stunning. Um, was it soft boys will inherit the world? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, I agree. Uh, Doug is MVP. Um, I am devastated. I will never have such beautiful world wordplay. Well, Gillen might be able to play, pull it off, but I will not have robots and Xavier have great world world like jou- verbal jousting about who will survive this day. That was such a great moment between them. I couldn't care less for the punchy-punchy shoot-shoot. It was all like the um, almost foreplay before the punchy-punchy shoot-shoot, which was just stunning. Um, 
I'm kind of more in agreement with Georgie's when it comes to Destiny and Mystique a little bit more, but I think it's because it's about rage and love and revenge. Right. It's emotional, not logical. Yeah, and they're just like psychotic killers anyway. So, um, (laughs) well, if you paint them as like there's no rhyme or reason, they just want to kill because they don't like her. All right, fine. But it also takes away a lot of the complexity to the characters. I feel, I feel like, no, because I feel like it all, it all, I feel like Destiny is the one dimensional character here. Um, like, because she's kind of a cipher for like the most bullshit power that you could give anyone. Um, I feel like there's a, like a limited complexity because she always seems like she just wants revenge on Moira. What Moira did. For no reason. Where, like, for like but, there more... is, but there is a reason, though, because... Because she, she existed. It was like... No, okay. because she kept them apart, though. Yeah, from that's... Mystique's point oh, of view... No, because they, they tried to... Like, they killed her way back when in, like, Hoxpox, remember? It was like they killed her just because she existed. Because there was a hole that Destiny couldn't see past. She's like, I don't like that, so I'm going to kill her. <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's true. But I feel like it was like, because um, doesn't Moira kill them, and then she bent. It's like tick tip for tap. And true. then I feel like the more emotionally complex one is Mystique here, and we're right. finally getting a story. Mm-hmm. It's just that Destiny's along for the along for the ride. Gone again. There is one like problem there, though. Destiny will only see the time in which she has spent. She won't see those past lives, unlike Moira. So is she destined to have a hatred for Moira? Or is it just simply the fact that she doesn't like what she, what she can't see? Well, unfortunately, that's a Hickman-esque question, which we'll never have answered. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> that feels like the question he's proposing. He's quite, for me, it feels like Destiny is the antithesis of Moira's position. That like Moira right. is trying They're to create, create order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I f- it feels like there's more to that that needed to be explored oh. and we're not yeah, going to get it right um and i really like appreciate the did um, someone drop off the call did i drop off the call no, no we can hear you can you hear us can you hear us georgie can we lose georgie can we lose hello hey can you hear us <laughs> i know he's, he's not responding i don't know yeah he just jumped off the call it seems um, oh, I still show him here. Yeah, he seems to. Yeah, on ours, he vanished. On ours. Typical, it's Inferno. Maybe it's that UK <laughs> privilege that was supposed <laughs> <laughs> We got the information first. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to tell him to try to dial back in. What did he put? Uh, call ended. Call ended question mark. Oh. Try again. <laughs> Get in. <laughs> Yeah, I mean we're still going, it's still recording, so we, we're good as we can just get them back. Well, um, um, if if you want, I'll just finish my tiny thought. Um, sure. Or maybe it's a massive thought. Um, I feel like what happened here um, was an an ending to the first stage of Kokoa, um, as opposed to like this is the ending of the sec because like, this is the end of the reign of X, isn't it? I yes. feel like this is like an, an ending to like. Um, a first stage which lasted much lo- which would have lasted much longer than just dawn and rain like there'd be another right. element because i feel like um all he's trying to um finish his story but also give everyone else enough um sort of framework to work with 
because it's clearly uh, the ending is for Gillen's book. Um, the Orca stuff is for the overarching right. uh, part. The um, book, yeah, yeah, and it just feels like um, it's such a it's it, it's just depressing because it's such a well put together book. Like artistically, we haven't even talked artistically that it's um, a book of two halves, but the color work allows it to blend quite seamlessly between mm-hmm. the transitions of artists. And I it feel works like pretty well, been, yeah really put together well um fun fun it's depressing by the end but a well-to-do book um and i just feel like we're not gonna get this kind of um thought out story anymore i feel like it's gonna be quite reactionary from now on yeah it's gonna be hard to have anyone that's able to match this Which i know is- there were people that can but will you get them on these books is the question exactly like, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited what Gillen can pick up from here. And Hickman has definitely endorsed him as having some really solid plans and ideas. Um, and I think I wish, we're trying to get Georgie back on. But I think something he said was either intentionally or unintentionally metatextual in that it's not only kind of in real life the story of kind of us getting what we get because people couldn't quite agree on things, but also – it's the, it's the picture of Krakoa kind of starting to fall apart because people cannot behave. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like um, yeah. Xavier and Magneto, their sins are kind of coming back to not only catch them, but to really show the cracks in the whole thing. And even with Moira removed, and just I think there's – I think what Emma does is really brilliant as far as like um, you know making all the secrets – together having them show together but i think it's also going to sow a lot of mistrust because you have you know it talks about like nightcrawler and storm for example being the always faithful but now what is their faith going to be in is it going to be in krakoa still or just in what they're doing or in mutant in general right um you know the trustworthy colossus well who does he still trust right um so i think there's some questions that could be really interesting to answer um i don't know it's just it's a it's a heavy book <laughs> both like, both I, in I what think... it is as a as a comic and then what it means i think in a larger picture i feel like the most intriguing um title they give anyone is their their broken keepers for emma yeah because she was she had faith in the dream of Krakoa, and I feel like this is sort of and we see this a little bit more in Marauders. I feel like this might have like changed her perspective, thinking that she needs to be in the council. I do like that they positioned her as the lead of the council, or like possibly a replacement. And the time of Magneto and Xavier being the big shots has kind of like come to an end. Well, you know, I think we had talked about and I don't know if we predicted, but I think we all kind of hoped this story would end with Emma kind of being in charge. And I think we're seeing a good possibility of that, which is pretty cool. I'm sorry, Ian, what were you going to say? I was going to say, basically from what's happened in some of the previous books is the faith she did have, as fragile as it was, was truly shattered the moment she was told about Myra. Yeah. And also, I feel like it's intriguing that Doug would let Myra um, go. Because um, mm. I feel like Moira, we'll see Myra again as the head of Orcus, which I think Georgie mentioned as well. Um, going forward, yeah. yeah, can be, can be. Yes, we'll have to just wait for Georgie to return. Yeah. Okay. So let's take a a quick 
break, get him back on for any quick thoughts, and then we'll grade it and then move into Marauders. So, apologies, listeners, dear listeners. We lost Georgie for a minute. Um, Dan was wrapping up his thoughts on Inferno. We, I went ahead and let that get recorded, and now Georgie just kind of give you a chance to give a wrap-up, and then we'll grade the book. Look, uh, we're, we're all sad Hickman's leaving, right? Uh, Dan yeah. alluded to earlier that uh, the dialogue here is uh, magnificent. Um, and Gillen's a great writer, right? We all like Gillen. Uh, his X-Men, previous X-Men run, his indie stuff is great. Like, I'm looking forward to his book, but it it really does feel like so much wasted potential. And um, uh, it just really makes me sad reading this book because, like, everything was set up and we could have had, and, um, you know, people in the X office just didn't want to, let him tell his story like why did you get him if you didn't want to use him uh i do want to ask one question uh or pose one one thing um you know there's this dialogue between mystique and uh, moira and uh, hopefully you guys can still hear me because i'm not hearing any any reactions but (laughs) i'm just letting you talk letting you talk (laughs) cool um they talk about you know they she gets blasted with that power draining gun and she Moira's like hey i invented uh something that takes away the powers before they're even mutants. So was that sort of Hickman's way of, of resetting things at the end of this? Was he planning to sort of remove all of Moira's powers from the very beginning so the Coco Island never really happened and we're sort of back to how things were? Uh, and and do you feel like she was this, like, Destiny and and Mystique being like you never you never wanted to be a mutant you were always trying to cure us even still you're a traitor it it felt a little bit out of left field to me uh, uh not from and it depends on what you know or what exists from the previous issues right because Moira's has had times in her arc where she has if not like wanted to cure everyone at least wanted to make it available oh, no 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 what I'm saying is after Hoxpox. Oh, oh, has not been the case, and you see her uh, everything she's tried to do, uh, you know, helping mutants to succeed in her other lives. It just felt like right. so out right. of left field. That's all. But, have, but yeah, if, you no, remember, I, if you remember in Huxpox, her first couple of lives was trying to cure it. Right, mm-hmm. right. So maybe it's just to be honest. Maybe the actions of Destiny and Mystique burning her alive emboldened her to be like, yeah, maybe I should just stop all these people from being able to do what they do. Yeah, yeah, so. could be. I think, you know, Georgie, you talked about not really understanding Mystique and Destiny's motivation. I think, to me, the hardest character to peg in this story is actually Moira. Sure, I no, have, that's that too, yeah. I have I have trouble kind of figuring out. She obviously has a plan. I don't know if, if it's really – it's either been intentionally a little bit ambiguous or I'm just not reading the right clues to really understand what Moira's entire master plan is. Because I do feel like there are there have been the undercurrents of wanting to figure out how to cure mutation. And I feel like in her mind, what we're saying in this story, whether it makes sense or not, I think what Hickman is saying is that really Krakoa was just a step towards another way of trying to figure out a cure. I don't know how all that fits together. I mm-hmm. don't it doesn't the dots are not connecting for me, but I feel like that's the subtext, right? Is that if if that's truly what Moira believes, and this is what she's trying to make the best life so far out of the other nine, then she must feel in some way that what she has built here will achieve that goal. And I don't 
I don't know how that works, but I feel like that's what we're supposed to imply. See, I don't, I don't get that at all. That uh, <laughs> I, feel, I feel like it's, I feel like it's, um, like really sort of obscure because it's, it's some of the only parts of this uh, comic that feels like editorials fingers are in the pot um because they don't know what they're going to do next because hickman's probably got like moira going off as a human uh creating 10 moiras and we'll have a moira of 10 and something else and some crazy hickman time travel bending shenanigans and obviously we're not going to get that so i feel like it's like keep it obscure right keep it keep it sort of hidden so then it doesn't it will look crazy or out of place if we just go Moira's now in a sentinel she, she she's driving a sentinel today. Right. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> she's the new leader of Orcus yeah yeah exactly so I feel like it's it's the only stuff that I was sat there going it feels a little editorial that the decision to make it kind of weirdly vague where she's going to go um, also I think it should have ended like if you're going to end this whole Hickman run her death would have been a beautiful sort of like um, mm-hmm. poetic way of ending the whole right. of his run because it's it it was her reveal as a mutant which started it and her actual death as a human would be a a, a nice sort of end to it. Sure. But you know, maybe yeah. I'm just bloodthirsty. No, I I agree. I think it's something that would have been really cool if this was you know you know like like when you do the indie comics right they most of them eventually have like a final ending. Mm-hmm. I think. I think that may have been something he toyed with or wanted to do, but something you just can't do in a continued universe like this. I, I don't think they would have let him. But I think that thematically, you kill her and then just be like, the dawn um, rises again on Krakoa because she no sure. longer has, she no longer can change it. Right. Which I think would have been a, yeah. a finality to his idea that Krakoa will always be forever. Um, even if they erase it in about like three years, don't affect that. Don't affect, yeah. Right, right. But I, but I, I think you know, I, you know, Georgie, Georgie, you're kind of the head of the X Office conspiracy here on the Snickcast. But, <laughs> but I agree with you. I, I think they have something they want to do with Moira, whether it's the head of Orcus or she comes back as a super villain or whatever. They didn't want her dead. They wanted to be able to pull her back on the board and. So whether Hickman wanted to or not, I don't think they were going to let him kill her. Yeah, uh, maybe. I mean, he may have had ideas. You know, this was sure. supposed to be the end of phase one for him. So right. maybe he had something that she was going to do something, come all the way back at the end to save them. Right. Like, who knows, you know. But right. um, anyway, we should we should rate this and move on. Yeah, we'll never know, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, um. I'm going to pick up a theme, Georgie. I'm also obviously a little saddened by this issue, but I still thought it was a high-quality comic book. And so I'm not quite to perfection, but I'm going to give it five out of six claws, even with the sadness. I have to agree with you. Um, there's a lot going on there that I enjoyed. The art is beautiful, so five out of six. It just didn't quite hit. Yeah, I'm landing on a five. Oh, the word, I'm going to miss the wordplay so much. Yeah, um, I know. Um, but the book looks lovely and I really enjoy the colour work. Like another really good standout colour work, um, to be fair. Yeah, five. Objectively, I feel like this is a five, but I'm going to give it a six. It's just like a thumb in the eye of, of some of the uh, Marvel <laughs> uh, editorial. To be like, I, I can get behind that. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I can get behind that. All right. You'll never, awesome. you'll never get a job in the X office. John, oh, no. Why? Will I be listening? Yeah. If they read any of my jokes online, I would never get a job at the X office anyway. Like it's not it's not in the cards. Yeah, you're you're crashing and burning my my employee to be editor someday. <laughs> well, we just have to infiltrate and take over, Jason, and then right. install you as leader. Like it won't be there that difficult. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, uh, Georgie, I'm glad we were able to get you back because you have our last book, <laughs> which is Marauders 27. 27. Writer Jerry Duggan, artist Matteo Lally and Phil Noto, colorist by Rain Barreto and Phil Noto, letterer VCs Corey Pettit, Woo-hoo. Uh, <laughs> designs by Tom Muller, <laughs> with the cover by Russell Dodderman and Matthew Wilson. Um, and on the cover, we've got the Marauders on a ship, you know. Staring a, at the on a boat, I think is what you mean. <laughs> on a boat. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, staring that at early two thousands. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Outdated. That's who I am. That's all right. I mean, it's a it's a standard kind of whatever cover. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah. It is. I mean, it's diamond. It is great, but it's fine. <laughs> it's a mirror image of. Uh, it's a cracked mirror image of the very first cover. And I actually kind of like it. I like the fact they use characters they never use in the book as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, like tempo, yeah. Like, yeah, it's like the four, the, the four people in the front that actually get dialogue um, and the four people at the back that sometimes do things. Someone yeah. online said, um, the Avengers want what the X-Men have, Russell Dodderman. And I replied, <laughs> the X-Men want what the Avengers had, a full story by Jonathan Hickman. So... <laughs> <laughs> This is where we are. Awesome. <laughs> Ian, what did you think of the cover? I think it looks pretty. I adore Kitty's hair. Mm-hmm. It yeah. looks beautiful. And of everything in it, it's the one thing that weirdly draws my eye constantly. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Dom and hair, man. It's like 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, I do agree. <clears throat> All right. So we start off the issue. I'm sorry. Did everyone speak about the cover? Did I skip anyone? No, nope, you're good. Yeah. Oh, you good? Start off uh, with um, Kitty being like, Kate being like, why can't I use these portals? And my mind is going, didn't we already solve this previously when she was resurrected? And they were like, oh, you can use the portals now? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was solved. <laughs> it was solved, but it was never shown. Yeah, it I, I feel shown. like it was solved, but like they were like, wink, wink, we're not going to tell her it's solved. Something like that. Anyway, um, so she's talking to, to Forge to... Uh, help her figure out a way and blah, 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 blah. Uh, meanwhile, we get a lot of, of sort of Phil Noto flashback art, which is uh, spectacular. It's wonderful to have him sort of finishing out his uh, installment on, on this, the series. Uh, we have him uh, drawing uh, the white queen, talking to our founders, uh, you know, flashbacks to meeting Kate to when uh, her Moppets were first uh, reborn um, sort of, going over all the past and how she's tried to do too much and not being able to focus on what she wants to do. So she's going to try and hand off uh, her seat on the, um, uh, the Hellfire Trading Company to Lords. Um, and she's like, oh, I'm kind of into it. Uh, meanwhile, back on uh, some uh, barely flying uh, helicarriers, um, we've got two of our, our fun, 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 fun marauders. Um what are their names? I'm Mr. Nobody in the Blade. 
Uh, They tried to uh, rip off the Verendi company, and they do, and then they're almost caught. Um, But then they they punch people and jump off onto the flying ship uh, that Kate is piloting, and the Marauders are there to save the day. Meanwhile, on Madripoor, that uh, young girl that they help escape is almost destroyed um, until she's saved by Callisto, uh, who's like, oh, crap, I killed someone. i got to get rid of the body. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, she helps this girl to get uh, emergency facial surgery, uh, and she goes off uh, leading a new life, uh, sort of, I don't know, tying up loose ends. I don't really know. Uh, Meanwhile, Lords is like, hey, I'm joining the Hellfire Company, but I'm taking... Uh, Sebastian Shaw's seat, and he's like, I accept. And everyone's like, oh, he's up to something. Of course he is. Uh, and then uh, we have a lot of goodbyes. Uh, Pyro's like, hey, I'm going on a book tour. Uh, <laughs> thanks for, you know, I don't remember where he got his face tattoo removed, but he did. Um, oh, so, yeah. And he has, and he has new power. He can, that. And he can just you, you fire, fire now. I don't know. Whatever. He's like, I'm going on a book tour. It was fun. See you guys later. And uh, Emma's uh, brother, uh, what's his name? Christian. Yes, Christian. It's like, hey, uh, Bobby and I are going to take a vacation just because we didn't ever get used anyway. And uh, <laughs> we show a fun page of... Go ahead. No, I'll get into it later. I'll All get right. into it later. Oh, then there's a fun couple pages of Bobby being like, I'm just going to explore how to, how, how to use my powers. Uh, so they finally let him being uh, an Omega Mutant uh, on uh, an evil uh, ice troll world. Um, yeah. Ice giant world, sorry. Um <laughs> And uh, Kate's like, hey, Bishop, are you leaving? He's like, no, this is too much fun. Shoot, shoot, bang, bang. Um, Kate, uh, sorry, uh, Emma talks to her Moppets who were like, hey, we uh, we were always planning to take over your seat one day. And she's like, that's fine because I'm giving you my seat on this uh, because I'm going to focus more on the Quiet Council. And um, at the end of the book, we have Reed Richards. I think Richards. you mean on ruling for Koa. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then uh, at the end, we have Reed Richards being a jerk, and Kate's like, "Hey, um, he's like, stay away from my son." Uh, and Kate's like, "Hey, uh, I'm not the jerk here, uh, jerk." Uh, and maybe we can work out a deal. Uh, the end. Uh, uh, I don't know. I really, I, I loved having Phil Noto back on the book just because uh, his his facial expressions are on point here again. Um. And, and Lolly does some some fun work with some action. Um, I don't know. It just felt like like I enjoyed the issue because it is another you know setting up what's what's to come next and some good character moments. Um, but uh, I was honestly surprised. I thought Duggan was done with this book issue or two issues ago. So it feels like he's just continuing on and on. This is is this the final one? Yeah, this is. It's a final one until the. Soft reboot. I don't think it's getting a number one, though, is it? Oh, right. I mean, the final one for Duggan. So, oh, uh, is he not writing with a new artist? Nope. It's oh. Steve Orlando. Oh, that's forward. right. That's right. Okay. So it felt like I'm I'm wrapping things up, uh, and planting some seeds for other things for characters. Uh, I I I enjoyed it. I I loved uh the new pieces being set. I loved Emma's machinations. Um, I I I loved you know. It's it's really cursory, uh, tertiary, but um, you know, Iceman getting two pages to do something was fun to see. <laughs> it's more than he got basically every other issue. Uh, so um, I may, maybe I just love this more for the artwork than anything. But uh, I, I enjoyed this. What did you guys think? I enjoyed it. I 
don't think I enjoyed it as much as you, Georgie, but I did have fun with it. And Bobby, well, seeing Bobby do anything is always fun. Getting seeing him take out Frost Giants like they're nothing is just even better. I think that's about all I can say. <laughs> um, I feel like it pulled a prank on me. Um, I feel like deeply offended that it decided to. He just Duggan decided to end his run, take out, take away the cast, and then go. Actually, I'm doing something this issue with them all. Um, I was I was deeply offended. No, well, yeah, I was like, thank you, Duggan, for doing something with Pyro and um, Iceman for the first time in 27 issues um and do it on the last one but i actually kind of like didn't care for a lot of this um i think Noah's art is really nice i think there's one page where you the first page noted um hits the book where i'm just not too sold on his art there's a bit too much black inking going through um and lolly's like fun i like the i like um the the action sequence uh on the boat like when everyone's drinking uh where Emma and that's drinking and such forth. Um, but yeah, I wasn't really bothered because it felt more like um, dropping your kids off at school. Like, you're done with it now. They can go to school now. Like, em- it felt like Emma was like, I'll trade in this handbag for, for you know, much more. And it, even though it has knock on effect, because of, of Inferno, it feels like there's a knock on effect going on. Uh, like, all the council members are like, maybe we should do more on the council since there are these, you know, Xavier and Magneto, like, plotting the downfall of whatever um i don't know i just didn't just wasn't and i hated the end more than you can possibly imagine because i was like oh we're revisiting that crossover that meant nothing just so reed can find out what xavier took out of his mind just so we have another external threat to the mutant uh kingdom uh great can't they just party (laughs) like (laughs) Can we just end with like that really? Because that last end, the actual, the full ending with Emma like smiling at Sinister was my favorite thing in the entire book. Because um, oh, yeah, <laughs> Sinister is such a smug, smug uh, twat, and I just loved that Emma was like, "No, nope, I'm here now. Fuck you." <laughs> um, so it's uh, I really enjoyed that bit, but yeah, I was just not sold on this at all. But, yeah, I'm a miserable person. Yep. <laughs> so. I enjoyed it, but I do also feel like there's a lot of things that are just I'm just I'm kind of realizing, and there's a lot of stuff that was left either unsaid or unclear or whatever. Because I just actually while y'all were talking, I went back and on Marvel Unlimited and just scanned through the two issues of Kitty's Resurrection, and all it is is celebrating her returning as a mutant, and they never actually say or show whether she can go through a gate or not. It's implied that her resurrection into back into full mutantdom or whatever would solve the issue, but they don't actually show it. They don't but show it, but they talk about this is why we going to resurrect, and this is why this, right, and this is why right. you're back to the whole now. And right. she's like, there's a panel where she's like, I can't use it anymore. And Scott looks over to 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 Jean, I think, something like that, and like winks, like, does she not know? And they're like, don't, don't tell her. Uh, right. Sort of a panel, right? Am I misremembering? Yeah, and so let's see here, because uh, in Ten of Swords, she starts to go through a gate, but then Storm goes instead, and they don't show. I mean, it's just like Kenny just kind of doesn't go. They don't really. It's weird, but even that was like, I mean, how long ago was Ten of Swords, and they haven't mentioned it since. <laughs> and then, like you said, Pyro just suddenly not having a face tattoo. Is he just wearing makeup? to cover up so he can play this uh, Mr. Nobody guy. 
Uh, I did. One of my favorite parts of the story was where Bitch is like, I can't be Blade. <laughs> like, why am I? Why am I Blade? Because I'm the black guy. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought the art was good. I thought the subplots of like moving pieces around were fun. I, I really enjoyed Mask changing uh, the Verandi chick's face. Um, that was a nice panel. He's literally lifting her face off of off of her, like face mm-hmm. off. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was to me. It was it was good, not great. So we'll let Dan go first, and we'll kind of climb up the, the the scores from there. I'm guessing. So Dan, why don't you start off with the low one, and we'll go from there. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be honest, to it, it is it is for me just a free because I think the artwork's really nice in places. Um, there are some tiny nice jokes, I suppose, but I just felt like, mm, um, fair enough. You just re- redid your uh, window dressing. I have Hi. to join. What, Ian? <gasps> Ian's joining me. I'm not the only one. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> this is one of those conversations that we have on the show every now and then where I feel like we're in very different places. And then we're all going to score very similar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was on the fence between a three and a four, but I think. I'm gonna land on a three. So, Georgie, uh, are you? What are you gonna do? I'm gonna uh, say that this is uh, easily a four. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I lean. I lean towards a five. Uh, I think that, like the moments, the character moments are so well done. Even if it is sort of surprising, like, hey, I'm going on a book tour. Um, <laughs> like all the Emma stuff was great. I thought, and and the artwork was, especially the the Noto um, pages were fantastic. Uh, and even if it is, I'm tying things up and setting things up for the next guy. I thought it was done really well. And, uh, really Emma being like, you know what? I need to readjust and I'm going to put these pieces here where I know they'll succeed and like help me. And also I'm coming for y'all was like a great setup. Uh, made me excited. So, uh, I'll give it a a high four. Okay. What were you saying? Um, basically the reason I'd give it a three is because I know full well when I go to sleep, when I wake up, I'm not going to remember this comic. <laughs> um, wow. Put that on fair. the fucking trade fair. paper bag. <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> completely <laughs> fair, though. <laughs> I, I, can't dis- I can't say that I will also not like, forget <laughs> yeah. about this in a week's time. Like, uh, true. <laughs> I, I, think, I think for me, Marauders has been... I, mean, let's, I guess let's, let's give just a sentence or two about the, the volume, right? Because it started off as one of the highlights of the line. And yeah. with a few exceptions, has stayed pretty close to the top of our scores. Like if you look at our average scores for this series, they've been anywhere normally from, you know, I think the worst we gave prior to today was like low fours for most of the issues. And then, you know, we had several fives and sixes across the board throughout the series. And for 27 issues, that's pretty great. Um, but I think. You know, if I can contrast, like where Inferno really highlighted that we're not getting enough of what we were promised, mm-hmm. as much as I've enjoyed Marauders, it kind of feels like it's time to change. Sure. And and this book kind of was like a nice close, but kind of reminded me that I'm ready for a different direction, a different voice. Um, so that's kind of maybe where, where I landed, kind of contrastingly, maybe why I went down a little bit. Is because I'm just kind of ready to see what happens next and, and move past what we've had. Makes sense. 
I mean, to be honest, the last like five issues have been like, well, there's a, there's a sea change, and I can't really right. tell a story, so here's some they, fun adventure stuff, right? Right, right. They want me to keep going, <laughs> but I'm kind of done. <laughs> well, it feels like um, John, John, sorry, I'm getting an image in my mind, which is like um, Pokemon with a water type fighting three grass types, and it's just a response: may as well die. <laughs> may as well die. <laughs> <laughs> um. Mike, because I, I read a, part, a little interview uh, with Steve Orlando, and it sounds like they're going back to the original um, mission statement of this book of saving mutants from around the world. Right. Because um, this became, let's be fair, this became like a... a, a Hellfire like a, book. Yeah. What, X-Corp, what X-Corp wanted to be. Um, <laughs> right. Um, right. Cool. Well, guys, I hate to, to bust the party up, but I do need to I'm get good. back to the other house. So real quick, why don't you guys talk about Excalibur's? Uh, we will be recording an episode tomorrow. It's been a while. You know, holidays sort of kept us apart, uh, but be on the lookout for that. Um, I was also uh, on a podcast recently called uh, Have a Drink With Me, um, which we talked about X-Men and drank beer. Uh, nice. I, I mentioned Excalibur and the Snickcast on there. Yeah, so if you, I, got uh, that, I got that queued up. I'm getting excited to hear that. Yeah. Uh, Dylan, the guy that, that runs it, is really fun. Um, and... Uh, had, had a nice, uh, fun, fun little chat. So uh, check us nice. out there. Uh, Dan, where, where can they find us? They can find us on um, Twitter at Excalibur's One. You can find us on Podbean, much like you can find this podcast, but instead of forward slash Snickcast, put forward slash Excalibur's. And if you put Excalibur's into Google, we turn up. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, obviously, I love the show. Part of the reason I have them on all the time. <laughs> and also, just y'all have become such good friends. But, um, Ian, anything you want to plug? Um, if, you've, if you've listened to a previous episode, you know where to find me. Okay. <laughs> Do the homework, guys. <laughs> Do the in homework. A, in a comic <laughs> podcast? That's what I used to say. <laughs> yeah. Right. Damn. I'm not going to tell you. Go research (laughs) (laughs) Uh, awesome well um up next for the podcast to go snitch will be our wolvie award show oh yeah Uh, and so if you haven't already and you want to on both facebook and twitter i didn't put all the categories i I always feel kind of weird like going on social media and saying hey who do you think was the best writer because sometimes people take that in a little bit wrong direction and insult people um but um, but I did put like the covers and the snicks and the snacks and stuff like that. So if you want to go vote on that, uh, you can. It's on both Twitter and Facebook and my feeds. Um, and speaking of all of that, for the podcast that goes snicked, uh, Twitter is at snickcast. Um, and of course you can like the Facebook page and just by looking for it. Um, and then uh, show notes and stuff for snickcast.podbean.com. So. Everyone out there, please stay well, stay safe. I know stuff is still going pretty crazy. Um, and, you know, I'll just reiterate again. I talked about this a little bit on the last episode. As as rough of a couple of weeks that I've had, I imagine it would have been a whole lot worse if I was not vaccinated. So please take care of yourselves and, and do what you need to do to get vaccinated. So if you do catch this, hopefully, I know it's not a silver bullet. There are some people that are vaccinated that still get pretty sick, but... I just I can't imagine how bad I would have been had I just been unprotected, so to speak. So just to encourage all of you to do what you need to do to, to stay safe and stay well. Um, you know, get vaccinated, wear a mask in public, all that fun stuff. Yes, so that, that's my 
that's my soapbox. I'll get off it now um, and just say hope everyone's having a good start to the year. Thanks again to Dan, Georgie, and Ian, uh, the Escalabros Club. Um, I, I'm just going to throw you in there, Ian. <laughs> but um, just a lot of fun as always. Can't wait to do it again. Um, and we will all talk again soon. So thanks, listeners. And everyone, hugs and snicks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And snacked. Yay.